everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Are you guys ready to hear about some romance? We're in a series called the Twilight Series. It's about romance. We love romance. We have this love affair with falling in love. I think we're romanticized about romance. There's romantic movies and novels. There's romantic cologne, romantic places. We're into romance. And speaking of romantic movies, I told you this last time, you go to a chick flick, guys, and the guys act like women. And then you go to a guy's movie, ladies, and the ladies act like guys. It's interesting, but there's a lot of truth to that because if we are gonna be romantic, we've gotta think like the opposite sex in many different ways. It's not about us, it's about others. You know, I love all types of music. I like romantic music, and I think one of the most romantic styles of music is R&B. Some rhythm and blues, don't you agree? R&B. Well, today, we're going to get into the rhythm and the blues. I want to give you guys some R&B. Now, it's about rhythm and blues. Also, though, it's about a couple of people in the Scriptures. And these people were so romantic. The love story was so powerful that I've called today's talk R&B. R meaning Ruth, the woman. B meaning Boaz, the man. The Bible is the greatest romance novel out there. True romance begins with God. God is romancing and wooing you and me. That's the story in this romance novel. We either respond to his love or not. Our obsession with romance, I believe, is simply an illustration, a mirror of this divine romance between God and man. And that's what the Bible is about. A bunch of love letters discussing God's love, God's romance with man. Isn't that great that our God loves us that much and that we have an opportunity to respond to his love and to give love to one another? But today I'm talking about the romance Yes, between God and man, but I'm talking about a practical romance between a man and a woman. Ruth and Boaz, the two central characters. Let me give you some quick background on this love story because it's going to get hot in here. The romance will be so heavy, you'll be able to cut it with a knife. A girl named Naomi had a husband, and they had a couple of boys. They lived in Bethlehem. You know Bethlehem where Jesus was born? Bethlehem, by the way, is called the house of bread. That's what it means. Bethlehem, the house of bread. There was a famine in the land. They bolted from Bethlehem and went against God's plan, moved to a place called Moab. Moab was a very ungodly place. Moab was a place full of temptation. God had said over and over again to his people, don't 
mess around with the Moabites. Naomi and her family planned to stay there for a little while, but they stayed there for a long, long time. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you there longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Well, guess what happened? Naomi's husband died. You got that right? Her sons marry Moabite women. Her sons die. Naomi is left all alone. One of her daughter-in-law was named Orpah. The other was named Ruth. So again, Naomi is by herself. Her daughter-in-laws are there with her. Their husbands have died. She's lost her sons and her husband. Naomi is really feeling it. She's singing the blues in Moab. Think about it. That's some, some pain. That's some very, 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 very tough circumstances just to navigate. And she became very, very bitter. And, and, and she told, you ready for this? Her two daughters-in-law to remain in Moab. She said, I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back to the house of bread, but you girls go back to Moab. I find that fascinating. I find that sad. Ruth and her husband made a boneheaded move to move from Bethlehem to Moab, just like Abraham did back in the day. Abraham shouldn't have gone to Egypt. I would rather, and you would rather, live in the will of God and be hungry than live in Moab and be well-fed. She loses her husband, she loses her sons, she's by herself except for her two daughters-in-law, and she says, hey girls, you just stay in Moab. I can't believe she's saying this. You chase after your other gods, lowercase g, your other customs. Here Naomi was going back to Bethlehem, to, to the house of bread, and she is a negative influence on her daughters-in-law, these two widows. Are you living in Moab? Whenever you mess around in Moab, you're always gonna have the Naomi's encouraging you, hey girl, just stay in Moab. Hey dude, stay in Moab. Everything will be okay. God said, don't hang around in Moab because in Moab, people are dropping the flirt and chasing the skirt. They're doing things their way instead of God's way. They're doing romance and love their way instead of God's way. Well, one of the daughters-in-law remains in Moab. The other, Ruth, the name of the book, Ruth, she attaches herself to Naomi. She ministers to her. She helps her. She serves her. She travels with her from Moab, from the house of blues, you could say, to the house of bread, Bethlehem. And this is where it really, really gets hot. Turn to the book of Ruth. It's in the Old Testament. Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 18. Check out what Ruth says to her mother-in-law, Naomi, as Naomi is so bitter and obviously is in mourning. She goes, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. 
and your God, my God. You might want to jot down in your margin this. It's really cool when people's walk and talk coalesce. Ruth had made a declaration, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to help you because you're older, you don't have any cash money, and, and you can take my word. I give you my word on it. And that's something so important in relationships. That's something so important, students and singles, when you're dating. It's something so important when you're married. Your word matches your work. Your, your talk and walk coalesce. You don't just talk a good game, you live it out. And that's what we discover about Ruth. So it says, when Naomi realized, verse 18, that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her and they made the trek to Bethlehem. Well, here's what happened. Ruth was helping her, I'm sure, praying with her. And Ruth left this whole Moab mentality and said, your God will be my God. Here's the first beat of this relational rhythm that I want you to run to. You see, I want to encourage you to, to, to move from Moab and run to the relational rhythm. Where's the relational rhythm? It's in the house of bread. It's from the house of blues to the house of bread. Have you made the move from Moab? I mean, seriously, have you made the move? How do you make the move from Moab, Ed? Well, if you're in Moab, you've done your own thing, your own way. Maybe you're mesmerized by Moab. Naomi and her family planned on staying there just a little while, but they stayed there a long while. All of a sudden, though, Naomi made the turn, right? And Ruth stuck to her like Velcro. Have you made the move to Moab? How do you do that? You simply say, okay, God, I give my life to you. God, I, I, I believe that you have romanced me and sought me and bought me and sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins, and I received that. And some of you are like, Ed, you understand how deep I am in Moab, dude. I am like into it. I'm mesmerized by Moab. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. God loves you. You matter to him so much, he will come into your life, boom, right now. Don't say, well, I gotta clean stuff up and then, no, 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 right now. I was talking to a friend of mine just a couple of weeks ago. This guy was far away from God, messing around with dope and women, living with a young lady who was a stripper who was strung out on drugs. It's a long, long story. And we were fishing together in this small boat. And I looked at her and I said, why don't you make this decision to, to follow the Lord? I said, you've tried everything else. And I earned the right to, talk to him like that. You know, we know each other pretty well. I said, you're a risk taker. Why don't you just make the decision? He goes, you mean out here in the middle of the ocean, this little boat? I said, yeah, man, let's do it. So I watched him make the decision. Now he was worried about, okay, Ed, what do I do about, about, you know, my girlfriend, dope addict, stripper? Well, I said, don't, don't worry about that. Well, what, what, what do I do about the dope? And I said, don't worry about that. You invite God, invite Jesus into your life right where you are, and he will take care of the rest. I'll help you. I'll, I'll, I'll teach you how to read scripture, how to pray. And what's so cool is the guy's been texting me. I've sent him some books and things, and it's just so thrilling 
to see him walk with God. So that could be you today. Have you made the move from Moab? Students, let me talk to you, man. Junior high and high school students. How about your best friends? Have they made the move from Moab? Have they? How about the person that you're dating? Have they made the move from Moab? Well, Ed, he says he's a Christian. He goes to church. Well, when I walk in Starbucks, does that make me a cappuccino? (laughs) Talk is cheap. But does the walk and talk connect? Make sure your best friends, make sure the people you date, those who are unmarried, have made the move from Moab. And that, quite frankly, is the first beat of God's relational rhythm. Make the move from Moab. But there's another one. Watch the work. That's the second beat. The relational rhythm. We run to the relational rhythm. We make the move from Moab, and then we watch the work. Let's go back to the love story. Naomi hits town. Think about it. Ruth hits town, a new environment. This girl was a Moabitess. She, she's like, what, what am I doing, man? I'm in, I'm in Bethlehem, different customs, different cultures. But, but she had, had stuck to Naomi like Velcro. She was following God, doing things God's way, and they didn't have Jack Q squat. I mean, back in the day, if you were a widow, you didn't have a man, dirt poor. Naomi was old. She's like, I can't get a man anymore. And, and Ruth goes, Naomi, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to work and, and get some stuff for us to eat. So it was during the Barley Festival, the month of April, and all these tracts of land were packed with workers whoosh, whoosh, collecting barley. So Ruth, she goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out there behind the workers, and I'm going to gather some barley. So she did that. She just picked a a field arbitrarily and began to follow the workers and pick up the excess barley. Well, this real estate tycoon, this developer showed up. His name was Boaz. Billionaire Boaz. Boaz was older than Ruth. A little bit gray, a little bit mature, a humble servant of God. A man who was who was a man's man, but a man who had a sensitive spirit. And the Bible says, if you want romance, he's looking around his fields and he goes, whoa. He brings one of his vice presidents over. Who is that? And girls, think about it. Boaz saw her at her worst. Sure, she had all the allergies and sinus drainage, all the barley <laughs> stuff stuck to her face, sweat dripping off her nose, ball cap on. I like that. There's got to be chemistry. God has given us the desire for the opposite sex. There's got to be chemistry. You see her, you see him. Oh, yeah. Whoa. There's got to be that. You know? There has to be chemistry. 
when you date. There has to be chemistry in your marriage. Well, you know what God says about chemistry? God says it can't be just chemistry. Boaz looked past the chemistry, if you read here, and he watched her work. He began to talk to his people, and his people said, man, this girl is a worker. She's been out here in the hot sun. She's been working and working and working. Just a menial task, just, 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 just basic work. He watched her work. Then he had lunch with her, got to know her, and I'm telling you, you could just feel the love. Watch the work. You're dating somebody? Do they have a work ethic? You're seeing somebody? Do they have a work ethic? I'd be lying to you if I told you Lisa's work ethic was the first thing that attracted me to her. It was not, but it was a big thing. First time I saw Lisa, I saw her in church. I was like, wow, woo. And then as I watched her, as I got to know her, girl was 15 years old working in a little jewelry shop in a dilapidated shopping center in Columbia, South Carolina. I watched her work there from the time she was 15 until she was 18 during the summers from college. And I watched her work. Lisa has a huge work ethic. I watched her work with our kids and work at fellowship. When someone has a work ethic, it usually means that they will work at the relationship. Let me talk to spouses. Spouses, are you working on your marriage? It's so ironic. We work on everything else. Golf game, tennis, shopping, decorating, bow hunting, fishing, everything else. So often, but marriage, you've got to work. So if you're seated next to your spouse, turn to your spouse and say, work it, baby, work it. <laughs> you got to work. That work ethic, when you see somebody who's lazy, who's slothful, bolt, <laughs> head for the hills. That's what I'm saying to you. Here's what Ruth said about the work. Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Wow, this girl could work it, man. Obviously she was attractive, but Boaz watched her work and he's like, this girl's got something. First beat, make the move, right? Second beat, Watch the work. Make sure you are working and working and working. Marriage so often is the hardest thing. It's not the easiest thing, but it can become the greatest thing when we're willing to work. Work on your marriage now. Don't work on an illicit relationship. Whenever I hear about people having illicit relationships or sleeping in the wrong bed, it's amazing how they work at that. Work on your marriage. It's worth the work. The third beat, look for loyalty. Ruth and even Naomi, they're, they're running 
to the relational rhythm. Boaz is looking at Ruth and he is heard already. The talk in the town already has been about Ruth's loyalty to Naomi. Are you a loyal person? Are you committed? We'll check out Ruth chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and come to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. Now here's what's happening. You know what's happening? These people are, are, are walking by and living by God's plan. Did you realize God has a plan for man? God has a family plan. What's God's family plan? Number one, purity. God says when it comes to sex, do it when you're married. I'll say it again. Do it when you're married. I don't understand it. I, do it, God says. He wrote the book, The Owner's Manual, the romance novel. Do it when you're married. That's the first thing. And if you are doing it before marriage, you just increase your chances to divorce over 50% if you're involved in premarital sex. That's a whole other subject. Another part of God's plan is only date those people who have the common bond of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine being hooked up with someone who, who you could not share that which is most valuable and precious to you with. Can, can, can you imagine that? See the genius of God. See, God wants us to understand the rhythm of romance. How about marriage? I was going to the gym the other day where I work out, and I walked in, and these guys were talking about marriage. And these guys are not believers, and they go, hey, Ed, you're a pastor. Come here, come here, come here. Isn't marriage, they said, just a piece of paper? I mean, this guy right here is living with his girlfriend. They're like throwing the guy in the fire in front of me. He's living, I think, in sin. What do you say about that? I'm like, hey, you know, marriage is, I said, from God. Yeah, it's a piece of paper, but it's much bigger than a piece of paper. It's more profound than a piece of paper. It's a covenant before the Lord God. So, so marriage is not just, okay, let's get together, couple of, couple of people, a man and a woman, or our culture tries to say, any people, even same-sex marriages, what? 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 It's not biblical. Yeah, but it's so cultural, it's so politically correct. It's not biblical. God's not going to bless it. When God says family, one man, one woman, boom. They have sexual intercourse, boom. And they might have kids, boom, 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 boom. It's God's plan. Again, that's, that's, that's your deal to follow it or not. It's my deal, but hey, God's plan works. Also too, another part of God's plan, parents are to lead. I know it's a shocker. Wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to be his best friend. I, I thought I was supposed to be like, 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 her, like her girlfriend. No, there's time for that when they're in their 20s. It's more of a peer thing. You're the parent, you're the leader. They're under your authority. You have an opportunity to parent them. But here's what happens, see? There's so many single parent situations here and in our culture. 
And there's guilt because of divorce. So when you have the kids, if you have custody or have them every other week or whatever, you like want to like give them everything and do everything and revolve your life around them because of the guilt. I know it's difficult. You're still the parent. You're still in charge. You're not their buddy. You're not their homie. Don't try to be Mr. Cool Dad or Mr. Cool Mom. You're the leader. You're the parent. God has placed you there to mold them and shape them into the kind of people that God wants them to be and make sure you have them at his house, the house of bread, where we serve the bread of life. Make sure you don't turn your back on the house of God. That's God's plan. Well, Ruth was following God's plan, Boaz? Yeah, because guess what happened? There was something called the Leverite Law back in the day. The Leverite Law said, stay with me now, if a husband died and left a childless widow, the next in kin, the closest in kin, had to marry her and buy all of the property. And most of the time, brothers did this. <laughs> Can you imagine if that happened today? Brothers would be like looking at the other brother, hey man, don't go out with her, no. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Well, here's what, here's what Naomi does. You can see how Ruth has influenced her. Naomi goes, Ruth, we need to follow God's plan. God's way works. So Naomi tells Ruth to do three things. Ladies, here's three things in the Bible about how to get a man. She said, Ruth, take a bath. Wash the barley off your face. Blow your nose, girl. Number two, put on some perfume. Chanel number five. I've never smelled that, but I hear it's good. And then number three, she said, number three, put on your best clothes. And she did that, and Ruth snuck in to where Boaz was sleeping. Slept at his feet, which meant she was available. Because guess what they found out? I left something out. They just found out, Naomi did, Ruth did. They just found out that Boaz, you see God? You see the sovereignty of God? Boaz, they think, is the closest of kin. So he could be her kinsman redeemer. Wow, has she hit the jackpot or what? She just chooses a field arbitrarily to work in and it's from billionaire Boaz's holdings and he's a man of God. He's a little bit older, but everything is cool. And, and, and now Naomi orchestrates it, matchmaker, matchmaker, to, to, to send Ruth to Boaz. Boaz wakes up and is like, wow! And she's like, I'm available. Now, think about it. <laughs> think about it. He could have had sex with her right there. The guy had homes all over the place. He didn't. You gotta have chemistry, right? But here's where we mess up. There's two toxic chemicals, testosterone and estrogen. And they're explosive. Because if we let the testosterone and estrogen get out of control, we have sex before marriage and it blinds us and we usually make the wrong decision, oftentimes. So, you see the genius of God. God says, wait, 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 wait till marriage. And Boaz is like, man, I'm gonna marry this girl. This is it, wow, she's here, Ruth, this is, this is amazing. And so everything is going, the rhythm. They made the move, watch the work. She's loyal, 
yeah, now it's wedding bells. Uh-oh. Boaz is like, oh no, man. I can't believe this. I'm not the closest of kin. Whoa. He's starting to sing the blues. So is Ruth. Naomi is really singing the blues. What are they going to do? Have you ever been in that situation where you're like, what do I do? It's out of my control. We all have. You know what they did? They trusted God. And that's part of romance. God, many people here need to make the move from Moab. And, and you know, you know who, that, that I'm talking to you. God sent you here today so you can make the move from Moab. And here's how you do it. You can do just like my friend did several, several days ago in that boat, in that little 16-foot boat in the ocean. He just said, God, I give my life to you. Have you been mesmerized by Moab? Are you deep in the mire of Moab? Just say, God, I've messed up. I've sinned. I've, I've tried to do my own thing my own way. And I turned from the house of blues and turned to the house of bread. You're the bread of life. And I believe, God, you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and rise again. I didn't realize it, Lord, but you've been romancing me and wooing me and loving me. And I just want to respond to your love. Just say that. I'll respond to your love. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I don't care where you are. You could be like my friend and dope and messing around. You could be like his, his girlfriend. I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know where you are, who you are, but Fellowship Church has one rule. No for perfect people allowed. No perfect people allowed. And our perfect God gives imperfect people his perfect love. Just say yes to Jesus. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.